Nathan Bartleball. Nathan, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, Nathan? Still here? Still in the house? That's right. Second episode. Second one strong. <laughs> um, we are also very excited, as we promised last week, to be bringing back Zach Bartles. Zach, man, it's been a while since we recorded. Uh, we had our, a recording that we did, yeah. what was it, like three weeks ago or four weeks ago? Um, before or five months ago, yeah, now we're at fields. <laughs> um, before COVID really uh, brought it strong, and you and I just kind of decided, well, uh, because of new information that's always coming out, we're uh, we're gonna not release this one. Um, so Zach, you wanted to come back as a not a farewell per se, but just kind of a hey, I'm gonna be I, stepping I don't come back. back as a farewell, no, no. <laughs> You're just coming back as a, hey, I'm going to be stepping back, so not doing as many, um, although, you know, at this point, maybe doing as many as we've been recording. Um, and uh, and so we're going to, you know, we're going to have uh, this nice one right before Easter come out. And then, of course, we have uh, Greg Dutcher back on tonight. And so we are uh, full house tonight. So, Zach, let's talk to you a little bit first because we heard from Greg last week. How have things been going with you, man? Man, just fine, just fine. I'm going a little bit bonkers like everyone. I'm not having most of the problems that I'm reading about on Facebook. Um, I'm not getting fatter. I'm not, like, forgetting <laughs> what day it is in that I break up my one day from the, the next with this thing I call sleeping, and that breaks them up nice and tidy for me. Uh, nice. Still coming into the church. Uh, I'm at the church right now. Um Nice and isolated in 5,000 square feet, and that's uh, been my routine. And, yeah, trying to figure out uh, technology and actually doing pretty stinking good at it compared to uh, most of the uh, Bin Laden video-looking things I've seen from my, my peers. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And, I, and again, I don't, I don't want to be uh, – if I would have heard this was some kind of farewell, I would have not called in, man. I don't like goodbyes. And uh, I want to be whatever Greg is, elder statesman, uh, <laughs> alumnus, um, uh, maybe uh, emeritus. There emeritus, dude. Podcast. Uh, I, I like to think of myself as the Reverend Dr. Emeritus is the uh, title. Um, I knew Jesus said we're not supposed to have titles. Uh, so, you know, caveat that with the appropriate humility. But, uh, but what did he Please know? call me that. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, please don't call me that. The Reverend Dr. Emeritus. It's like uh, a podcast yeah. vagrant. He just sort of shows yeah. up sometimes. <laughs> there he is. You guys, oh, it's, it's such an unprecedented time at this point. Uh, I keep hearing that. So, do Jesus' words really apply during this <laughs> time of emergency? And Yes, they do. They do. Oh. And it is unprecedented. Okay. No doubt. I don't know how unprecedented it is. You mean like an illness uh, spreading through the population? I feel like I've heard about that happening before. <laughs> Dude, how old are you, man? I mean, were you around during the Spanish flu? I'm, uh, no, I wasn't Islander. around, but that doesn't keep me from knowing about it. <laughs> and it doesn't okay. keep it from not being unprecedented. So yes, Connor McLeod dude. here. Yes, that's right. That's right, dude. Yes, I didn't mention it last week, guys, when it was just the three of us minus uh, Bartles here. But I've told you each. I don't think I said this on the podcast that about I don't know, first or second week of the year, I went back to pick up 
uh, one of the few Stephen King books that I had not really spent time in, and that was The Stand. Um, and I got to tell you, dudes, that is a weird feeling to read about a worldwide virus, uh, much different in the book, of course, and much, much worse, uh, while stuff is happening, you know what I mean, in, uh, in real time. It's been kind of a surreal experience. And to be honest, it's kind of stalled me. I haven't found much of a desire to finish it yet. I'm right at the halfway point. It's been Why helpful, though. Why are people though, doing cause... this? It's so crazy. People are, like, watching Outbreak on Netflix, and, like, I'm, I can't get my mind around what, what what the – is it to try and make it feel like the whole thing is make-believe? Is it because the end of a movie, everything gets resolved, and it gives you a false sense that it's all okay? Or what? what, what is the internal push toward uh, these kind of apocalyptic uh, entertainment venues here? It doesn't – I don't get it. I yeah, think there's that's probably a, a sense of catharsis to it. Now, that, that doesn't seem the same for everybody. I personally don't want to sit down and watch Outbreak again, particularly right now. But that's yeah. me. But I have a lot of friends that they, you know, they find a certain sense of it is probably it's yes, it's there's a fiction, there's an end. And yes, and most of the Outbreak movies don't end with, uh, you know, everything ending. So there is, I guess, a little bit of hopefulness to it. For me, with The Stand, I was just trying to understand why I was having dreams of this old lady in uh, Colorado. So <laughs> it was helpful for me to pick it back up. That's but, right. Um, That's right. Although, dude, she starts in Nebraska and then goes to Colorado. Oh, does she start in Nebraska? Yeah. Okay. You can tell I'm fresh. That's right. I'm very fresh. Yeah, yeah, you're very Mother fresh. Abigail. Uh, very so, good. guys, remember? I, yeah. can I say something controversial? Please. Again? I think I had COVID-19, and I think a bunch of people in my church had it no mid-February. Wow. Like February, second and third week of February, before they ever said it's anywhere near Michigan. And I just was talking to a nurse in my congregation. She's like, I think you might be right. But whatever I had, I was texting my mom that I had the coronavirus like half tongue in cheek because nobody knew it was going to be this big a deal, much less yes. me and Nathan. We recorded the last right. thing, uh, <laughs> oh, which goodness. if you still have it, maybe you should just put it out there just, you know, just for fun. Uh, so people <laughs> can go, well, this is what they were saying. I don't know how badly it would even age. I don't, I don't remember exactly what we said. But anyway, I was, I was texting with her and it quickly went, my mom's a nurse as well. And uh, it quickly went from her like trying to downplay the idea that I had the coronavirus, which I was just trolling to a uh, debate about whether Rene Russo was, was still hot. Um, <laughs> and I, I was getting my, my wife looped into the text exchange and my dad. And I was like, I probably had the flu or I had the coronavirus. And I was like half out of it. You know, I felt like I was tipsy and I went back and read the thing later. And I was like, this is so funny. If I wasn't a pastor, I would screenshot this and like put it on Reddit. Uh, it was wow. I, the, the the highlight was when I said that in Outbreak, after her suit rips and she gets the virus and she's like coughing up her intestines, she's still like the hottest woman in Hollywood while doing <laughs> And you now, just on, answered the question, why would anyone watch Outbreak now? There you go. There you go. Um, Asked an answer. Can I, can I ask you, Zach, to, just to make sure I'm tracking with it, you had a conversation about the hotness or lack thereof, of Renee Russo with your mom. Yeah. Yeah, my mom okay. thought that she was, was nothing to write home about. And then she kept saying that she's in her 60s now. And, I, and then I kept sending her, like, 
recent pictures of her and saying, so it's a number. I mean, look so at how clarify, he was sending his mom pictures of her neighbors. So. <laughs> and my wife was on my team. I mean, to be fair, I, I mean, I want, well, that's, that helps dude. That helps. If you tell me you your wife do all things it, in this time, and keep the family connected, whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, this was pre quarantine. I was just sick. And, uh, I mean, sick, so, clearly, dude, may, may I ask, you had a nurse in your congregation that said possibly that's the case. So am I, am I to understand then that you're saying people may have been suffering this in February when it was barely a news story in the U.S.? See, I, it's, it's out there, and it's certainly I'm no doctor. But when I read the progression and I read people, I hear people on videos talking about how this manifests and what it feels like and what it's like, I go, that is exactly what I was dealing with. It's wow. exactly what a couple other people in my church are dealing with. And I've never, I've gotten the flu a dozen times at least in my life. And it's never manifested like this with the difficulty breathing, the hard, hard, um, the, the dry cough until my throat is like feeling all raw and ripped up. It's feel wow. like someone was sitting on my chest the whole, and it could have been the flu, just a different manifestation, obviously. And it probably was, but I don't know, man, I, I know that they can't, they didn't know for sure until there was a push to start testing and they didn't start testing anywhere near me. And I live in Lansing, Michigan, right on the border of East Lansing, where there's literally like 20,000 Chinese students who, who were flying home for the Chinese new year and then back to East Lansing. And hmm. it, it's in my mind, it's pretty likely. I would bet my entire check from President Trump, when and if it comes, on <laughs> the fact that I had COVID-19 already. Uh, I will also bet my wow, uniform dude. on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Uh, that is something. Hmm. Actually, Zach. It makes me want to say, hmm. It's interesting that you say that because <laughs> I was talking with a coworker the other day, um, and he and I were actually sharing similar sentiments because – uh, it was around February. We were seeing lots of cases of, you know, the the flu. And, and like you said, things weren't being tested, but their symptoms very similar um, in, in the school I teach at. And I'm not saying it was, so I don't think anybody from my work listens to this, but I'm not saying it was, but there were symptoms that were very similar and, and the descriptions that you were talking about. And we had lots of students who were out around that time. And so, um, yeah, it was, it's interesting that you say that because a coworker, um, and I were talking about that, that we're wondering if it went around, um, in, in kind of our younger student population. And because it's not necessarily, um, having as great of an impact, um, on the younger population, if, if that's what was going on and that's what it was. Hmm. Interesting. And, 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 and a normal day, this would seem like, you know, cuckoo banana bird, like conspiracy stuff like, Oh, they didn't tell us when it was here. But now that people are saying that, you know, this is all leading toward a one world government and like chips being put in a, um, uh, you know, a vaccine that's going to track us around the world and uh, make us get on one currency and the, the Antichrist is going to come in the rapture. Uh, we sound pretty centered and, 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 you know, kind of grounded in logic by comparison. So yeah, I'm just saying I might've gotten sick before they thought we could get this sickness. <laughs> Dude, man, Bartles, you're saying Sounds all reasonable. the points for Easter, man. That was my whole Easter sermon. <laughs> right Thanks, dude. <laughs> 
Now I got to come up with something original. (laughs) Got to do something about the resurrection. Come to the front Um, for communion and your chip. Oh wait a minute! You you all go to the same church, right? Bartleball, you go to the you go to Greg's church. Uh, I've watched it a couple times recently. Uh, That's right. No, I I don't uh, now, but uh, I have been yes in the past. Wow, so he had a problem. Stab there. Yeah, no, no, he had a problem with some of the heresy coming from the pulpit, and I I would agree with him. I, uh, <laughs> there are times it makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, why am I saying this? Uh, it's it's just awkward. I get it. Jester, are you guys going to uh, have a a second Easter, a non canonical? non-calendar Easter when you're able to get back together again, or are you going to try and make a live stream Easter seem not sad and yeah, pathetic? Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, you know, we haven't even talked that far. Dude. A few people have mentioned the same thing. Hey, can we, can we kind of do, yeah, yeah can, you know, can we do Easter 2.0? And I said, yeah, I mean, uh, I could go really cheesy, you know, the old school every Sunday's Easter. Um, <laughs> But I, I don't know, dude. We haven't talked yet. Are you leaning that way? We, we are long decided that. We said we we're going to have our Easter breakfast, egg hunt, nice. lilies in the sanctuary. Nice. Everything, you know, big choir cantata type thing. And if it's in, you know, August, that's fine. We're, we're doing nice. it when we can come together. And, of course, I'll preach on the resurrection, uh, you know, a week from Sunday and I, I'll have my song leader here. She's got a beautiful voice. She'll do a special music, and we'll do some of the hymns. But it, I don't know. To me, uh, the idea of an online service at all is super, super sad. Uh, sad. And the idea of an online Easter is just like wrist-slitting, just give up. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to lay down in a coffin, a nice warm coffin, and close the lid. <laughs> Dude, uh, these go to eleven, bringing you hope. In <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I think Bartle, that should be your Easter message. See, your online one, you should preach with that tone, and then people really will want to come to the, the real one. Man. That's what I would say. So, um, I like yeah, I like the idea that you're still, you know, that's the thing. Some people are getting. It's like, okay, you don't have to not do something. You can postpone it, and it it can still have the meaning. You don't have to like half do it in a schlocky way, you know, in a week because we have to do it, you know? And I do agree. There would be a certain kind of, uh, moroseness to, I think, trying to do the big Easter, you know, the celebration service in a, in a scenario where you can't really do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, you know, um, and I don't know if you guys know this, but, the, the online platform we're using, uh, which probably 50% of the country is using, is what Life Church does, you know, which is, um, I think it's just church online, uh, to stream. And the last two weeks, there have been technical problems because I think they've added something like thirty to 40,000 churches. And I'm oh, not wow. embellishing that number to their online platform in uh, recent weeks. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just creates so many challenges because you think, wow, it's such a tenuous connection with people in their living rooms to begin with. And then when you've got this top heavy platform supporting all of these churches, so we're, we're doing everything we can, right. Trying to put it, make sure it's on YouTube, make sure it's on the website, Facebook live as many venues, but I do like, I do like 
the fact that um, most of these platforms have some ability to at least have some minimal chat. To your point, Bartles, it is sad and pitiful. Nothing like seeing everybody, being able to hug people when you come in the doors. But it's still better than like just a video, right? There, there's a minimal component where you can connect a little bit. Um, and I don't know if you guys, uh, well, I, I'm dating myself here. Matt Smith and I, my fellow pastor. Who's Goodness, someone almost, will date you. hey Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry. He'll be here all week. Actually, he won't. It's his last podcast. But, oh! um, no, I'm kidding on that. Kidding, kidding on that, of course. But um, the, um, Matt Smith and I, who's about 50, and I were talking, what would churches do if this were to say 1990? Um, right now. And the thing we came up with, do you guys remember this? A big purchase my former church made in the late nineties, this was cutting edge at the time was a multi tape duplicator. Um, and I remember we still have one here. Oh, no way. dude! Does some quick. Yes, yes, exactly. You take the tape, the master tape, and you put all those blank tapes in and you can do like 20 in 30 seconds or something. Um, (laughs) And it was, I mean, it was cutting edge. And we said probably we would uh, be duplicating tapes, mailing them to people's homes, dropping them off on porches if we were allowed to do that. Uh, Newsletters with mandatory 90s clip art. Um, (laughs) I mean, really, what would you, so I'm trying to tell like my kids, I'm like the old man, you know, when I was a kid back in the 80s, but, you know, that uh, all the FaceTime stuff, my daughter, my youngest daughter is at home right now. Her dance class, which has taken about a two or three week break, has just uh, authorized Zoom. Uh, so she's doing her dance class via Zoom. You know, there's uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. In other words, it's a far cry from the real deal, but it's a lot better than it could have been. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and Man, what I said was so profound. You guys, I know we're just we're speechless, Greg. We're speechless. It's like, how do you respond to that level of wisdom? I don't know. I'm I'm speechless too. Uh, what what is <laughs> what does the verse say? Silence. Answer a cool, yeah. uh, answer a fool according to his folly. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I was almost like, uh, well, we've reached a point where there? I think we can now have uh, the James King's uh, you know voicemail will actually be the up part. That's the, right. Uh, that's right. Well, let me yeah. let me go ahead and uh, let me go ahead and pull that up for us so we can uh, we can listen to that. Very sad. Oh, it's the Reverend James King from the James King King James Bible believing teaching preaching ministries. Now, friends, I know it's been quite some time since you've heard from the illustrious spiritual expert that God has anointed and appointed me to be, but I have been busy, friends. You know what I've been busy with. Well, I'm just going to let you know, just in case you don't, I have been busy helping God's anointed servant. His, that's right, man. His, his right-hand man on planet Earth. You know him as President Donald Jonathan Trump. That's right, friends. Donald Trump has been on the front lines of this insepid, COVID-19 Chinese virus. And friends, while he's been doing that, I've been asked by him, tasked by him, appointed by him to do something equally valiant, equally important in the scope of redemptive history. And of course, I'm talking about the re-election campaign 
of Donald Jonathan Trump. That's right, friends. Four more years of utopian New Jerusalem-like bliss. Now, friends, doing such busy work in such a time as this, you can imagine that I have uh, not been happy that I've had to be called out of my my pressing duties to do something that, uh, well, frankly, friends, uh, shouldn't be done. But I've been told by my own team here at the great Bible-believing King James Tabernacle that, uh, well, friends, uh, the devil's work continues. It's been said that that old, that old, hoofed, long-tailed, red satin jumpsuit enemy is always busy, friends, and he's been working through, I can't believe it's still here, this godless anti-God cast. These go to hell at 11. That's right, friends. I have been called out because, friends, I have been through my my intercessory prayers knocking off every one of these nincompoops one at a time. You may remember there was a man named Steve Hartland. No, 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 friends. This is a 60-some-year-old man who rides a rides something called a Ducati. Friends, that's not even a real thing. That's been invented uh, by some Santa Barbara PR firm to make old men feel young. Now, friends, I knocked that fool off a long time ago. You notice you haven't heard from him. But then that uh, that host, the host with the least... Nathan Hell's Bells went out and found a, another good for nothing. And that was uh, the Zachary Bartles, who I'm told is doing his swan song. Well, let me tell you, Mr. Bartles, you can use this episode today to do your preview swan song for when you take that high dive into that burning sulfurous lake. Good riddance to you, Mr. Bartels. You brought us nothing and you will not be missed. Now... Friends, just when you thought we were out of the woods, Nathan Hell's Bells is at it again. He's going to get another guest host. And I'm talking about this bearded. What is he? Good for nothing, Nathan. Look, he's even got to have the same devil name, Bartell, hyphenated to Bartleball. That's right, friends. Nathan Bartleball, Mr. Nincompoop himself. You know what he likes to talk about, friends? He likes to talk about, oh, isn't this wonderful? Movies. That's right. Satan's little playthings. Movies. He doesn't like to talk about godly movies, starring Kirk Cameron and the like. He likes to talk about movies that have, he calls it, redemptive value. Redemptive value, friends. Tom Cruise has no more redemptive value than a than, than an old Hillary Clinton pantsuit. Friends, don't listen to a word that this fool says. And then I can't believe it. Finally, friends, we have the 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 booger that you can't shake off your finger, Greg Dutcher. <laughs> friends, I thought for sure that this man would have by now eaten himself into oblivion. Uh just 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 dying in a in a gluttonous, self-indulgent act of obesity. But friends, he's still going strong. But let me tell you, friends, I'm told that this man with ninety-six percent of America in other words, not working for Donald Trump's re-election campaign, is staying at home. Friends, can you imagine how fat this pathetic slug Greg Dutch is going to be when this is all said and done? Friends, I mean, he is going to eat himself around his house and around his neighborhood, and one day he's going to pop like the Goodyear blimp. I have no doubt about it. Oh, the humanity when that fat fool comes crashing down. So, friends... I'm just warning you as a public service to stay away from this godless, never-dying anti-God cast. Don't listen to these fools for a single moment. 
And friends, right now, if you have a little extra money, I know many of you probably have plenty of extra money right now because uh, you've you've saved well. All the tithers plus at the King James Tabernacle have saved well so they can continue to fund my ministry. I would recommend that you fund it to uh, the King James Bible Tabernacle or, of course, the re-election campaign of God's best friend, Donald Jonathan Trump. Friends, I'm signing off as the battle continues. Take care and God bless. And remember, when you read the word, read it in the authorized, the King James. Wow. Why did that guy sound like he was literally talking through a tin can in, uh, you're right, Bartleball, a a bunker somewhere, man. Yeah. Does anyone know, you know, I'm feeling almost nostalgic for the times when James King used to actually seem like satire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time I'm like, this seems larger than life, and now it's just life. <laughs> you gotta wonder, though. You know, we envision him in a bunker, but this guy has family members. What's it like to record an off hinged rant like that with the rest of your family milling about? Like, you know, can you imagine what that's like, Greg? I mean, your kids. Oh my goodness, I mean, man! They, what do they, they think? They probably. About? probably think you're having a you know some kind of mental break with reality or something <laughs> they're probably saying probably used to it. yeah they're probably saying get out of here right now and get in your car and do this that's what i'm guessing <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> seems, seems like a safe bet it does that's gotta be torturous man wow man that was something well i'll tell you uh mr bell we have not heard from him for a long time yeah <laughs> he you know he didn't disappoint he did not disappoint <laughs> I he has not changed one bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, man! Oh. Don't get me talking about uh, Ozark. So uh, when you say cartel, that's where my mind goes. Uh, <laughs> did you finish the new season, dude? I haven't even started it. Oh, yet. about halfway through. It's good. Oh, I'm hearing great things about it, but haven't started it. And uh, have you dudes watched Ozark? Are you Ozark fans? Yeah, there's about a, a episode and a half this season that's just Laura Linney crying, saying she can't do this anymore and not wanting to get out of bed, which is very, you can skip. Other than that, yes. it was pretty darn good. Still well done, crying and not wanting to get out of bed. Yeah, oh, that's it, diminishing returns, anyway. Yes, so she had her own Skylar moment, in other words, is what yes. you're saying. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, had to pay homage to, uh, to Anna Gunn, I get that. Anybody watching Better Call Saul still as we ramp up to the end? Only Not the first episode. Even Bartlebaugh? Come on. I, I am. I'm a few episodes behind, though. I need to catch up. Um, oh, I, this week's uh, was absolutely spectacular. I think I'm too behind, so I do need to catch up with that. Now, hold on, dude. Is this the last season? No, there's one more. No, there's yeah, one there, more. I got you. Should be Everyone's going to be 35 years older than they were in Breaking Bad. <laughs> and they were supposed <laughs> to be two years younger. That's okay. I know, man. Uh, it's something. Hey, did you guys ever talk, uh, Bell, about uh, El Camino? No, because I never no. saw it. <laughs> oh, my God. It was easy. Yeah, what am I talking about? Why am I bringing this up with Bell? I was going to say, did you forget who you were talking to for a minute? Yeah, he doesn't even love Jesus enough to like Breaking Bad. Oh. Man, Man dude. Uh. Yeah, yeah. No, no point talking El Camino when you haven't talked about Breaking Bad. So, well, forget I said it. No, but uh, but you guys have seen it, right? Zach, Nathan, did you see it? I have seen it. Yeah. I've seen it three times. Okay, so why don't you guys talk about it for a bit? Uh, Everyone dude. thought it sucked, and I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. 
Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I thought it was really good. I, I didn't think it's so. What was the. I guess I don't pay attention. I need to pay attention more to, I guess, the negativity. People thought it sucked. <laughs> I gotta pay more attention. You should to make that a campaign slogan. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, honestly, honestly speaking, one of the reasons I bounced out of the formal film criticism is because it was just a bunch of snark and negativity. And I love snark and negativity as much as the next person, but just a little too much sometimes. But no, I like, so really, there's a, I, I thought it was. People didn't like it. Why? People expectations. It. It's always expectations. Well, they thought it was unnecessary, but mostly what people were complaining about was um, like the fact that the guy who played Todd Jesse Plemons is fat now, and Jesse oh, looked right. too old, and and uh, Walter yeah. uh, Brian Cranston was doing a play, so he couldn't shave his head, so he had a bald wig on, which was barely noticeable, but everyone freaked out about that, and I don't know That's people who awesome. were primed yeah. not to like it. Yeah, uh, exactly I, right. All that is wah, wah, wah. like, oh no, you made me more free stuff to watch. Oh no. Exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's so true, dude. I, I loved it. I thought it was a. You know, what I liked about it is they didn't try to do like uh, Breaking Bad Part Two. It was just a, a, an epilogue. It's, uh, yes. you, know, you, you know, you read a good novel and you have the epilogue at the end and you think, yeah, you don't need the epilogue. But if it's well done, well written, which I think this one was, it just fits really well. And I, yeah, love it. Was it was a tribute to his character. It was an a, a, an opportunity to give him some emotional resonance. Not that he didn't have any, but to give him a closure that was a little bit apart mm-hmm. from Cranston's storyline. And I thought Agreed. it worked in that respect. Yeah, Agreed. my favorite scene in the whole thing by far was uh, the uh, like high noon shootout situation. Yes. Cool. Yes. It, oh my gosh, one, that was so. Cool. Yeah, it was as good as anything in the in the previous series. Honestly, like it stand, you know, to me it was as good as some of the best scenes in Breaking Bad. Yeah, I would agree. And guys, if I can geek out there, since you brought up that Wild West moment, uh, you know, which a lot of I saw a lot of the fandom guys were saying, oh, that's a little wink and nod to Westworld, which uh, Aaron Paul is Maybe. is now on their their third season. What I liked about it was, I think. It was the connection, if you guys saw it, was, you know, a few nights earlier in the timeline, Walt extricated himself and brought some closure through a gun trick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jesse did the same thing with a, with a gun trick. I thought there was a, a, a connection there. And, um, you know, it made me even wonder, did, was he inspired by Walter? Uh, because he 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 knew the trick, right? He came out right. and saw what what Walt had done. So it made me wonder: Did Jesse get his own idea? But yeah, it just showed the. Um, and I and Nathan, watch how I bring you into this. My son Ben has convinced me to not like Tom Holland's portrayal of Spider Man, and I'm going to link this to Jesse Pinkman uh. because Tom Holland is the exact same character he was the first second you saw him. I feel like he's just a perpetual kid who has not matured, who hasn't evolved. And um, you've got Jesse, who completely evolved, uh, yeah. you know, who starts as the kind of you know, happy-go-lucky loser kid, kind of a self-indulgent little D-bag kid. And then by the end, he's, he's you know, obviously uh, matured and he's gone through suffering. So that's my little my little film critic moment. It's kind of a yeah, false you. equivalency, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. It is. But I'm just saying, look, Tom Holland has had five films 
to stop being the teenager who's nervous and wants to find his way. I'd it's like evaporated just... in two of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But dude, it comes back the same. I mean, when you get dusted and lose five years of your existence, tell me that has what, a, a bitch. You want you want him to of... come back with a, a jet black slicked over comb over <laughs> dancing to the Bee Gees? <laughs> I'd like him to come back and ha- show some semblance of maturity. That's all I'm saying. That, uh, but and again, I didn't even think about this until my son pointed it out. Like. He never changes. He's the same character in all five films. And he is. Anyway, that's my opinion. Isn't um, that true of every one of the Marvel characters? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matt, you, you just all of his changing in the first Iron Man. And then kind <laughs> 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 of sticks. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm trying to think what other characters do you get that I'd say Cap has changed, wouldn't you? You don't you don't sense change well, in his old dead now. <laughs> right, exactly. That was old. Sorry, turned into a fake Clint Eastwood. But um, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, no. Let's talk. Cap cusses uh, a little more in the later films, doesn't he? Where in the beginning he's still maintaining his purity so, and all so that stuff. Is, which thing are we talking about here? Are we talking about the 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 actors showing a progression of character? Are we talking about writers forgetting about what their character was in the right. first one yeah. <laughs> and not playing it totally different? Which is what I feel I like. Would. Captain America. They're like, what's a Captain America? They read a Wikipedia article. <laughs> <Yeah>. and <wrote laughs> That's good. That's true. That's true. Devil's advocate here, and I probably shouldn't. You don't think that Tom Holland has shown any kind of progression as Spider-Man? Zero. Zero what, change. What does anyone else here think? Um. Uh, see, I, I only think of him in the framework of the two movies he's done. And so the he's yeah. he's been, you know, his, his standalone movies, I mean. And so I feel like he's still in high school. And so he's not really he's not really growing. Like to me, he's a high schooler. Like this is what I would expect from him. Now, if, you know, he's still Spider-Man and in college and, you know, like uh, Greg, Ben likes the uh, the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game that came out. If he's Love still it, yeah. acting that way. You know, in several years, like when that, you know, when that game was, re- you know, is supposed to take place in that time frame, I would say, yeah, I agree. But I think right now it's too early for him to to develop really dramatically like that. I don't think I don't think there's enough that we know and see right now where he's supposed to be outside of that high school mind frame and mindset. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. I mean, I think keeping him in high school has confined him to a pretty limited uh, arc. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I kind of miss, I'm going to be honest, dudes. I'm missing Toby's portrayal. Um, oh, my God. But to, to, did Toby really grow? I mean, again, again, for the part where they forgot what character they were writing. Like, <laughs> right. honestly, and I'm not even joking. Like, that was the problem, though, right? There's a point where they're like, what is this? Who, are we, who is he playing again? And, and yes. so, but... Outside of that, there wasn't a lot of room for growth. And I mean, it is a reasonable point that in the time frame that Spider-Man has taken place, the, the current uh, venue, it really hasn't been that much time, you know, because there's that five years or whatever, the blip where he's not around. Right. But before that, aren't we talking about a series of months or a year that we've really been watching him interact in? Because what happens in Civil War is right up against, uh, uh, I thought, maybe I, I miss a couple, three years later, placards here or there but i thought that we're we've really only seen him operate in a very small time frame and i mean i wasn't 
I liked Homecoming a lot, uh, and then I also liked uh, Far From Home. But I, I think you're seeing some progression that would be normal if this was a high school series with the character that wasn't Spider-Man. I think it was, it's reasonable growth. He also hasn't been through the things. He's been through cosmic things, uh, but he's been kind of grounded in a certain way where Jesse's going through a lot of moral, like, uh, battleground all at one time in Breaking Bad. I mean, it is kind of difficult, I think, to compare the two in that regard. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, know, Tobey Maguire was uh, doing a. He's younger. He's a young adult. He, he's not a, a kid. So he's yeah. he's in an age where you're going to mature a lot really quickly. But I would also argue he he really didn't change much at all. He. I mean, what does he do? He fights people, and then he cries in a way that looks like a really painful BM. And uh, that's about it. I mean, what, what, I don't Dude, see what, the, the talking about? That's huge. To be able to ugly cry while you stop a train? I mean, that, if I, if I can approach half of that, that moment, Ugly cry when you stop the train. Are we still talking about BMs? Or? Yeah. <laughs> it's a euphemism. Yeah. Stopping the train. Stopping the train. Something, hey, I man. think we just... I think you just got your episode title there. <laughs> dropping the train and dropping the kids off at the pool. I think you've got it. Oh my god! Right there. I mean, this. I mean, this is the kind of quality, guys, that this podcast has been providing for years now. Um, this is a this is year. The, right. <laughs> yeah. And we exactly. haven't matured much either. You know what, dude? I think that's the quote of the moment. Yeah, go back, Nathan, to 2014, and we'll both be really disappointed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, as we look at the uh, years. It, is, is that when we started, dude? Was it 2014? Uh, 2015. 2015. Yeah, yep. so good, good. So we, whew, man. Wow, that's good. It gives me another more another year to, uh, to uh, not mature. Um, <laughs> so that's good. Um, yeah, sorry guys. How did I get us on that? Oh, El Camino. Yeah, I liked it. You just started talking and then we were yeah. there. <laughs> now you pretty much know what I do every Sunday. <laughs> this time where Greg looks up and says, how do we get here? Okay, guys, see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, is that why my church has only got five people left in it? No, um... <laughs> Wait, Nathan, help do the count. You, <laughs> yeah. Joy, uh, wait, we should, we should do this offline. All the little piggies. <laughs> <laughs> what was the topic uh, of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, goodness. Oh man. Uh, any other thoughts on El Camino? I think it's interesting. We we're talking about like compressed timelines and, and Greg's talking about, you know, two days or really the day before he watched Walt mow all these people down and everything. When you think it's almost like the Marty McFly thing. When you think about in from his point of view, how much happens in just absolute consecutive, uh, you know, days of chaos and, and running against the clock. Um, it's like basically this guy has had the hardest year. If you want to feel better about quarantine, think about Jesse Pinkman and then think about this guys. What if he would have gotten like figured out how to get out and escape from Jack and the Nazis and tried to be running for his life during the COVID-19 lockdown. That would be a lot harder. Oh, my goodness. And that That's might be true. a movie worth writing. You know, somebody mm-hmm. trying to run gonna, for their we're life. We're going to see something like that, I think. You know? Yeah, probably. That's true. 
That's yeah. true. And, and and am I right on this? I'll ask this of a Bartleball. We're going to have quite a delay, aren't we? Dude, like, um, I assume there's a bunch of movies that are backlogged. The, the big power movies are going to get dropped months from now. The smaller movies are going to direct rental. But we're going to have a gap at some point. Am I right on that? Like where I, there's probably three, four, six months where there's virtually no movies? Well, I think what may possibly happen, particularly to keep going, it depends. See, what's happening is some of these movies, uh, the big ones, they're not getting pushed out like you would expect a couple months. They're already – and I guess because of <laughs> – Pushed so, yeah, out. I'm sorry. I was just thinking. About the... We're back yeah. on the train. Stop on the train. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here comes the BM yeah. Express. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> you know what? You're the host now. Do your thing. I apologize. <laughs> this is this is the host thing. <laughs> this is picking up from some random rabbit trail and going down a different random rabbit trail. Exactly. Please do, dude. I love it, man. This but, is so well-serving my ADHD, and it, it is very happy right now. I think some of it will be that you're going to see some things pushed out. Like I, what I expected is – and I guess it's because of the uncertainty of when will things actually be back up and running. And because these days the release schedule is like someone's always trying to get – you know, Marvel's got dates out three or four years because they're trying to get these best dates for these big – movies so when someone wanted to release something in the middle of july they're now looking and thinking well do i really want to release my movie in september and, I, and there's probably a feeling and it's probably reasonable that people are wondering what it's going to be like yeah, yeah there's a point where we're all going to get back out but are going to the movies going to be the first thing we want to do and i right. think yes. that that's the <laughs> thing yeah i no, i agree with you but i think that that's that's something they're looking at is are we going to be making the kind of money so ghostbusters has already gone off the schedule for this summer and that's going to next uh. summer Uh, or next year. I don't know if it's the summer. I think it might be in the fall. Uh, There's a lot of movies that have moved off. So they've gone, they've already just instantly said, you know what? Nope. We'll go a year later. Uh, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. And I do want to get back to when, when it's, when we're in a place where we can getting back to patronizing local places. For me, there's a lot, I don't know how many, um, Zach, if you've got any places near you, but we've got some, you know, we've got the multiplexes and yeah, I hope that they do well, but we've got some smaller theaters as the Senator theater mm-hmm. here. This is a beautiful, like grand old movie house. It was actually in the movie 12 monkeys. Uh, there's a scene where Bruce Willis is watching the movie vertigo and he's inside the Senator theater. It's a great oh. place to see movies. And yet I, I hope that places when, when we get back to a point where we can go, I'm going to be making sure that I'm patronizing some of those places as well. And that's what I'm really curious to see is what happens with, I, you know, some people are talking about, hey, you know, drive-ins are going to be a bigger, could be potentially a bigger thing, um, yeah. depending on how all this goes. But I think that, yeah, you might have a time where you're not going to see everything, but what's going to probably happen is they're going to have stored up enough stuff that they will work the release schedule out. I mean, back in the day, you remember, and I say back in the day, I'm talking even in the 90s, you'd have maybe, what, two, maybe three movies release a week, and yeah. in a course of a month, you know, Big summer movies, you might have in the 80s, you had maybe, what, seven or eight big summer movies? And yeah. now we're looking at, like, the, the release schedule could absolutely benefit from probably having a few less every single week, you know? Uh, the point when you're going to see Avengers this week, and then there's a DC movie next week, and there's something else. My suspicion is that everything has been crowded up on top of itself so much that when we get back to it, we might see what's more of a reasonable uh delay between these really big box office movies and in the meantime everyone's going to be looking for ways to get smaller stuff out into the in the field and it'll be curious to see how people get back to making movies once we're back to making movies yeah yeah i mean right now they could just have 
Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson make a movie. Want, want, want. Well, I'm saying, couldn't they? Just you get all the <laughs> actors and actresses that uh, <laughs> have had it, and yeah. they're like, you know, man, they can go anywhere, right? Uh, Tom you Hanks know, is you, in every movie that is released. Like, <laughs> I was gonna say, man, uh, just like I can go everywhere because I had it in mid-February. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, you absolutely do everything you do from now on to be based off of that that belief. <laughs> Working theory. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah, see, see, Bell, you thought I was making a, a – I was partially serious. I said if they got all the actors that have recovered and they went to South Korea, they could probably keep things going for a little while. That's my guess. How long, how long before we get, like, some kind of low-budget found footage horror movie that people have made? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Zoom, like the That's coronavirus. True. In fact, East Goat 11 should make that movie, you know. <laughs> getting kicked off, picked off one by one, and then at the yes. end they take the mask off and it's, King, it's James King. <laughs> <laughs> Who would oh, play dude, James King, gold. you guys? That's the question. <laughs> yes. Would who, who, who would I you cast it. as James King in this film? Mm. I say we get Steve Hartland. I think it could be a plot <laughs> where it turns out that one of the hosts has schizophrenia and is actually James King the whole time. <laughs> wow. That would be weird in real life if that was the case. Yeah, it would be strange. If I found out one of one of us was James King, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> right, dude. That would be mind blowing. The thing about right James there. King, he has not changed at all, though. You know, there's not enough. <laughs> That's there's true. Not there's enough no character growth. Arc, <laughs> no <Yeah>. character growth. <laughs> it's like Spider Man. <laughs> Tom Holland is James King. <laughs> right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's good. Uh, let me uh, let me kind of shift gears for a second here, and um, I want to uh, I want to ask uh, Zach and Greg. I want to ask you guys. Um, we are coming up on Holy Week, and we have Palm Sunday, and then of course, you know, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter, and and obviously, um, we don't want to just skip over and gloss over these things. Um, but as you know, Zach pointed out earlier, it would be. Uh, kind of sad and depressing to try to build it up to what it's not going to be. And so what are what are you guys doing, Greg and Zach, to kind of prepare um, your congregations for what's coming up? What are some of the online things that you're doing and and so on? I don't remember what I said before and what I said during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Better that way a lot of times. Yes, that's true. Um, what, what we've been doing is... I mean, I am doing to prepare specifically people for Holy Week, other than to tell them we're we're going to do uh, some form of Good Friday service online, uh, and then some sort of April 12 Easter service, and then later on we'll have a big Easter celebration. Uh, kind of like when people say, "Well, we live together and we want to get married, and we're getting married on this day." I say, "Okay, but if I'm doing the wedding, we're getting married uh, like within the next month." And then you can do a big wedding later on. Um, Yes. And uh, we're also – I'm trying to keep everyone connected, uh, using Zoom a lot. um, And the fact that I got out – now, guys, don't post any of these Zoom things on social media. You're going to get Zoom bombed. You see somebody's bare, hairy butt in the middle of your Bible study, and (laughs) you have only yourself to blame because I warned you. I've been sent out uh, cards to everybody. Here's our link. Here's the uh, phone number to call, the code to put in, and I've got a lot of older people taking part in everything all the time. We're doing bingo uh, week after next. I'm mailing out cards and emailing cards, and we're going to – 
I'm going to have dumb prizes. I'll show what it is on and then I'll send it in the mail. You know, we're just doing stuff to make sure, especially people who live alone. Like, I mean, I, I get to hug my kid and my wife every day. Um, I'm worried about people who live alone yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're, we're trying to make sure everybody is feeling connected as much as possible. Uh, and I think that's another good reason to do these Holy Week services and stuff. Otherwise people are going to sit at home going, I would normally be with us. They'd normally be at a church service with uh, two Baptists, two Presbyterian and a Methodist church all gathered together. And instead I'm all by myself, you know, yes, because that's true. We're not going to let that happen. We're going to we're going to make sure that every everything that would have happened, there's something there. And we're going to acknowledge, I think, that it's not the same and that it feels a little empty. But then we're also going to try and make not Good Friday fun, but but on the whole, on the balance, mm -hmm. uh, make it fun when we get together a lot of the time so that you forget for a while that we're not in the same room. And it kind of feels like so when we when we did this thing on Wednesday where I just did a mixer, quote unquote, I I purposely put together old people, young people, new people to the church, old timers. And they're all discussing these stupid questions like, you know, what would be your ring walk music if you were a pro wrestler? You know, what would you name your first car? They get to know each other in ways they literally never did, even if they've gone to church for six or seven years together. Um, that's the kind of stuff we're doing to make sure people don't have this big sense of like, Ugh, I don't even have church in my life anymore. That's good, dude. That's good. Yeah, we're um, – I think we're doing similar things. Uh, Zach, I like some of the things you, you said there. I do love, man, how easy it is to access innovation and creativity today. Just uh, – yeah, you, you can look at one of a billion webinars that any ministry group is doing or just, just webinars. around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right, dude. 35 and, uh, emails a day. <laughs> yes, that's all you see. You know, so there's no shortage of low-hanging fruit to get. We're doing similar things. Um, uh, all of our small groups, like Nathan, one of the ones you lead, right? Dude, yep. you're, you're doing it via Zoom. Yep. Um, so we got groups meeting via Zoom. Our student ministry is is going to try that with, uh, I think, Inst Instagram Live or you know something like that. Um, and uh, we've been uh, our care team has really expanded. We were doing that before this happened, which is great timing. So, you know, we, we are trying to make things very simple for our site because it's so heavily trafficked now, you know, more than it's ever been. It was a good wake-up call to make sure our site is as fluid as it could be. Uh, so we've got a tab for request help or uh, offer to help, right, and a bunch of resources that, uh, that folks can use. New thing I started doing is um, I wasn't going to do this, but it, it's been pretty well received so far as I'm doing just a short, like, seven-minute face uh book live devotion mm -hmm. uh monday through friday and that's been uh enjoyable it, it's neat you, you see about i don't know 15 or 20 people doing it live you know with you i see them signing on and then you see a lot of people accessing it throughout the day um so i think everything is okay what's how many tentacles of connection can we put out there mm -hmm. knowing there's not one that's gonna connect with everybody it's impossible uh, so how many can we do that are meaningful that people would describe as helpful? Cause I think the main point right now is just how do we stay connected? The nice advantage though, is I do think people are craving it, right? I mean, yeah, yes. it's fun to, you know, to, to binge watch a show, but after a while, man, you just get bored out of your mind. Um, I think I'd love to just have some sense of connection cause it's how we're designed. So, um, 
you know, we're, we're trying to really leverage uh, all the digital stuff as much as we can. Just what Zach said, it, it sucks. You know, I mean, it's, I am so low about Easter. I bet you feel the same way, Zach. Just, uh, uh, you're right. It is. I, I, oh, just love it. I love the weekend. I love the, the feel. I love that it's the bumper crop where there, there are people that may never go to church throughout the course mm-hmm. of a year yes. or longer, except on that Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, that it's tough, it's tough, but trying to make it as good of a lesser option as we can. Nice. Nice. Um, so specific, uh, things, um, Zach, have you, um, done communion yet online? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Now, no. Zach, you laugh, but we're going to do it. We haven't done it yet. Oh, my gosh. Dude, can I implore you? Don't do it. <laughs> now, dude, I got to tell you, Steve Hartland done it every week since it started because they do communion every week anyway. Uh, it's kind of a distinctive of Hartland's church. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to um, ask people ahead of time we already are to pick up you know, uh, juice or bread or something other than juice, but we'll leave that to people's uh, discretion um, and are going to do it, you know, and give some instruction on, uh, you know, how to do it, ways to make it meaningful, etc. So now I'm surprised that you almost sound like you're throwing down on a regular principle argument with your visceral reaction to it. Uh, uh, no, I, I don't. I, I reject both extremes of, uh, uh, RPW and like anything goes, bro. Uh, I think what we need is basically some notion that I mean, and I'm, I mean, I'm fairly sacramental in my theology for a Baptist, uh, in that I, I, I don't think you can properly administer the Lord's supper without blessing. I I don't know. I I don't want to get into something that sounds superstitious, I just feel like if if we're going to go down that road and set this weird precedent, what we need to do is make sure it's warranted. And uh-huh. when I hear, you know, I know that there are a lot of reformed churches that have quarterly communion. That bums me out for those people because I think they're missing out a lot. But in my mind, if we can not go any longer than that, if we had to miss more than three, I would start thinking – uh, and what I would do, I think, is probably buy some of those. And this, I can't believe I'm going to say, those super <laughs> depressing, like cellophane, like you know what I'm talking about. I know you mean. Those mm-hmm. things, like, yeah. all yeah, in one like a circle yep. of packing peanut. Yeah, like, like circle of packing peanut under uh, one thing of cellophane, under which is another thing of cellophane, under which is grape juice. And I would mail those out to all my members, and I'd say, you've got the thing. Do this now, um, rather than like. My, my fear is not so much if you can get everyone to have bread and some kind of fruit of the vine. Okay. I, I'm not freaking out about that. I'm, I'm not, you know, good. I'm normative principle for sure, but I'm worried. You know, I've talked to a number of people online who've said, well, my church has done this with the live stream for ages. And they just say, you know, whatever you got, you know, old uh, donuts and uh, Mountain Dew is fine. <laughs> no. Skittles and root beer. 
I mean, these kind of things I take very seriously. And and the reason that my theology seems, I think, sacramental is even though the the uh, Baptist uh, divines, when they uh, took the Westminster Confession and baptized it, um, they removed the word sacrament and they say ordinance instead. But it says that you are uh, not corporeally, but spiritually eating and drinking of Jesus' body and blood and all the benefits thereof. And I just don't want to do anything cute with it. And I don't want to do anything uh, flippant with it. And I, I don't even like jokes about it. I just, I don't, I don't get that. And I want to give it a wide berth. I'm not suggesting anyone who does some kind of live stream communion is a heretic or they're doing something blasphemous or they're off track. I'm just saying, why would you do that? That's so corny and, and blech. I don't know. There's something about it. And if it doesn't strike you and your people as, as off, it's none of my business. I don't care. Oh. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like you'd have to really push me to a point of like desperation before I would go. Yeah, to I hear. And, Dude, and would it be possible to, to, or would you at least see Zach that uh, this thing could be done? I mean, if it's done in the right spiritual heart and spiritual mind frame, we're not talking, here's my root beer and good and plenties or whatever, you know, yeah. that there's a legitimate, uh, I see your point. I don't want to be too cutesy with things, and I get that way sometimes with stuff. And it's, but it, I think it could also be seen that if there are bodies of believers who, during this time, feel that they can come together and do it because of the desire to do it, because you know, uh, of a true heart and a and a desire to want to do it. Now, finding a way to do it regardless of the limitations, I think done in the right heart and mindset. If you're doing it just to be like, hey, this is what our church is doing, I think that this is true of communion anytime you take it. Would you see that it still can be done in the same heart and the same spiritual reverence? Yeah. All right. Sure. I mean, <laughs> that's I, all I wanted. I'm I'm Baptist. We're we we believe in the I'm Baptist uh, too. Autonomy like, of the local church. I, uh, so yeah, no. So yeah. I believe in the autonomy of your local church. I I I say if your your elders, uh, if and your pastor, your church leadership are praying about this and looking to scripture and they are convinced in their minds and uh, there's no uh, obstacle here that's going to be a stumbling block for somebody, I don't have any dog in the fight of what another church does other than when I say I'm imploring you not to do it, I'm being, I'm being kind of funny. Uh, I'm just I'm just trying to relate in a in a clever way how gross I find it. Um, <laughs> not, I don't have any I don't have any dog in a fight of whether you guys do it because it's not it's it's absolutely classic adiaphora. There is there anything more disputable than something that has to do with internet live streaming? There is no real. <laughs> Scripture. I mean, you can't go. This is what Saint Paul wrote about internet, internet live streaming and community. I think you the can't basics. You should just wear pants, and that's a that's something we should hold sacred. Is wear pants if you're going to be on live stream, <laughs> or just right. have the camera. I mean, you guys, if you're at a desk or something. I mean, that's true. Uh, yeah, you do need to be strategic. Why are you binding my conscience, <laughs> dude? I hear it now. A c- couple of thoughts on that. I have wondered, though, how much have we normalized things like uh, sound amplification, right? Like, um, and unless you were Spurgeon and, and truly had a megachurch in the 1800s where you were an unusually gifted one, of a mil- you know, one out of a million orators, um, sound amplification has normalized our church experience, right? So that people in fairly large spaces can hear 
the person speaking or praying as if they're right next to them, right? So in a sense, I feel like we, we've allowed some electronic um, uh, helps, uh, you know, innovative technological helps to normalize church experience for decades. Uh, or there's churches, uh, remember Nathan in the old building? Mm-hmm. We had that weird L-shaped sanctuary. Yeah, that was so, so weird. Yeah. And, and, and it was a load-bearing wall. So there was no way we could remove it, you know, the wall that was across from the nursery. But so a lot of people we, didn't see Greg at all. Exactly. So we put a TV there. Right? Those are the ones so, that filled in the fastest, probably, right? I mean. <laughs> For some reason, yeah. Lisa always sat there. I, I never quite got that. You notice I stopped coming to the church when we could see you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, dude. I love it. So, but there, there was a spot where technically you weren't seeing me or the worship lead or the, one of the elders who was offering a pastoral prayer or somebody that was, you know, distributing the bread, etc. because in the confines of our building, we had some electronic technological helps, right? So in my mind, I'm sure people have been in, in this spot. I don't know. I've, I've never served communion to an, an inmate on death row or something and how that works do they do they allow the the pastor or priest or whoever to come into the cell or do they serve it outside I, I i don't know what i'm saying is to me i kind of go the other way zach and say communion is such a big deal particularly for us it's always been our custom to have it on good friday um you know and uh it just seems when you're gonna corporately focus on the death of jesus and nothing else and he's left a meal to memorialize that, that we would, we would do it. And you, we want to take You know he left a meal on Thursday, right? Just. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But we don't do a Monday, Thursday. Service ah, okay. We're, right. we're not that, that, you know, uh, we're not that traditional, but just the, the whole notion of, of celebrating or commemorating, I should say his death um, is such that man, you know, obviously, and we're, but, but I'm with you. It's not willy nilly. We're going to send out some instruction. This kind of forces questions on children, et cetera, that are often kind of, uh, again, assumed when we're all together, you know, monkey see monkey do, but this is an opportunity to um, speak to some things we normally don't talk about. Like I don't have scripture on this. Uh, Lisa and I have always just, pretty much even before we had kids agreed that in our polity, for lack of a better word, our kids wouldn't take communion until they were baptized. So uh, baptism is sort of the, the, the gateway to, you know, take communion. I know there's Pado Baptist and you know, folks who practice Pado communion, et cetera. And there's a debate, but that's our conviction. So I would offer that as a guide to parents, you know, when you're doing this at home, um, you know, uh, and in, in encourage them to think through the issue carefully, et cetera. So it actually provides some instruction. Um, I like the thought of um, parents playing a greater role in the ownership of it, but I, I, I totally do. And I mean it, Zach, I'm not going to get tongue in cheek on this and respect your conviction there. I, I get, I get what you're saying. It, to me, it does well, heighten the sense of, man, I hate that we're not together physically. And again, I'm not saying that all pastors who do this are heretics, only that you are, Greg. <laughs> right, yes, good, good. But dude, you didn't need me to do communion electronically to, to know that I'm a heretic. Um, you, you heard what, you the, know that anyway. what the Reb said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly, you heard King. 
Yeah. Thumbs like a booger. You, you can't, can't get off your finger. <laughs> <laughs> was so evocative. Oh, my God. Way with the words, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, yeah, the communion. Now, I will say this, Zach. Baptism, that I'm not sure how to pull off. Um, <laughs> What's the difference? I'm not sure. They both yeah. require, you know, particular kind of quote unquote blessed elements. Uh, yep. You know, what if I put my hand out in front of the camera and make a motion like I'm plunging you under and you go under your, your bathtub? Now, all traditions, even the most sacerdotal, have emergency baptism uh, doctrines in place that any right. believer can baptize anyone, other believer, you know, if death is imminent or something. But I don't know of any that have emergency, uh, you know, administration of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and so it is nice to be in, in this Baptist setting where, you know, we, we don't see any voodoo going on. You know, we, yeah. we don't believe in transubstantiation. We do believe if we're particular Baptists or Calvinist Baptists that just as bread and drink nourish the body, so these holy elements do nourish our souls. But at the same time, we have the priesthood of all believers. It's an it's. My, my main thing is it's an ordinance of the church. So if the church is saying, you know, when you go on your trip to uh, the Holy Land, um, Deacon Bob, the church is saying, yes, feel free at the garden tomb as, you know, as a representative of our congregation to administer communion to our people, go nuts. Mm -hmm. and in the same way, you could say we are, you know, during this time, we're saying as uh, the head of a household, uh, that's part of Christ Fellowship Church or Judson Baptist Church or wherever. It, we're we're telling you that on it, it is as an ordinance of this church that you in your home are breaking the bread and sharing it with your wife and your children and whoever else is in your household. You know, I'm actually you're I'm actually kind of convincing myself that that would be a way in which I would be okay with this. Mm, come on, come on. Do it. The well, Holy Spirit is moving on Bartles. This only happens <laughs> once. Uh, actually, I think this is the first time. Once ever. So, hey, once that's <laughs> it's a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to go back to what it sounded like your primary uh, issue with it in the first place was a kind of irreverence to it, you know, like, oh, it's just a thing we can do. And we can do all these other things when we're together. And so thinking through it and finding, uh, I think that's the key, right? Is if, if, if you have a sincere desire to do it, it's going to scripture. It's looking at the proper and reverent way to do it. If it can be done that way. And I think that might be the thing to encourage people is okay. This is don't do it flippantly. Don't just say, I, you know, it's a, it's a thing just like every other thing and diminish it in that respect. Can I, can I drop just, I think it's some good closing words. Is some wisdom? From uh, my my fellow pastor Matt, Smith. you're going to drop this, strike? Nathan. Oh, oh, it's, you What's said that? it's from Matt Smith. I said you're going to drop this, and then you clarified it's from Matt Smith. So. Craig's about to drop. Yeah, okay. I was going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. we're back Stop to the train. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any wisdom. And notice, I said me. nothing about the low hanging fruit earlier. I just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the part that's covered off of the uh, live stream, the magical fruit. But um, you know, I was just going to say, guys, Matt said this to me years. Guys, you know, we debate these things. Uh, you know, types of communion, baptism, finer points of eschatology. And, you know, we're all going to stand before the Lord one day. He's going to ask us just that one simple question. Uh, did you speak in tongues according to Acts chapter 2, verse 4? Um, <laughs> did so, anyone else um, think he was going to say, did you watch it, Breaking Bad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bell hopes that's not the question. He's in trouble. <laughs> 
Uh, well, your, your voice was getting a little weird there, Greg. It sounded <laughs> almost familiar. Jekyll and Hyde stuff happening. Yeah, there was something going on there, man. Yeah, yeah. I felt southern. Like, yeah, like, I, I got, yeah, I got, yeah, I got chills. I felt southern. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, take my temperature. I'm feeling southern. <laughs> Do you guys consider DC to be part of the South? No. Uh, it's not so funny really. that anyone up here would. Well, see, it's funny, wow. Zach, because I consider Maryland part of the South. Um, Joy's from North Carolina, <laughs> so she considers Maryland part yeah. of the North. But because I'm from yeah. New Hampshire, she I consider everything south of New Hampshire part of the South. So. Well, I don't have yeah. that luxury in Michigan. That would make most of the country. <laughs> Ohio's not, but... I don't know. To me, like, I think anywhere where, like, until the recent advent of really common air conditioning, anywhere where you'd see people, like, uh, mopping sweat off the back of their neck with a with a handkerchief much of the time, that's the South. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's something, something, uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not taking any shots at the South. Just funny to me that, and even within my state, I grew up, um, I almost started talking in terms of like you would know Michigan, but you know how Michigan's shaped like a hand, like a, a yeah. mitten? Yeah. Right in the crotch of the thumb there is where I grew up. <laughs> the, <laughs> hand has, uh, the hand has a crotch weight. Yeah. Hold on. The, the best part. Here. That's the, the best part is right in the center of the crotch is where Zach grew up. Let's, yeah. let's dwell on that. For a little bit. The, right, right down there, like is. right in the, the, the real, the real kind of uh, pit. Um, <laughs> and and now I'm in the capital, which is centrally located, and people talk about my hometown as up north. And I'm looking at my hand right now going, how can that be north when there's two-thirds of the lower peninsula and all of the upper It's all a matter of perspective, I guess. Oh, Everything's yeah. relative. Yeah, That's my true. closing words. They're from me. Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> good words. Everything's relative. There you go. Nice, nice. Well, guys, we... I'm uh, always going to pretend your last words were, yes, the crotch has a hand. Is that what we're naming this podcast? Yes, the crotch has a hand? It's more, more mind-bending the other way. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. David Cronenberg stuff right there. <laughs> oh, oh man. my this, word. I'm telling you, guys, this is a vintage episode. I can tell. Vintage. This is can't this we just is, like retract it and make instead of letting Nathan go, can we just keep Greg too? <laughs> the the four round table. I mean, it's probably not for the structure of the podcast, but it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> Bartles, in other words, they can't wait to get rid of us so they can have a sustained, serious conversation. Yeah, that is uh, what I am hearing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I my my proposition is, can't you guys just come back and do this again next week? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a call whenever, man. I'm down. Very nice, fun, especially nice. during quarantine when I don't have better things to do. Later on, I not was so gonna much. say, yeah, exactly. Like when you're <laughs> when you're doing important things, you can't do it. But you know, hey, right now, absolutely. <laughs> nice. We could talk absolutely. about Tom Holland's inability to do uh, <laughs> I think that was the, the the most helpful highlight of this episode. My commentary on Tom Holland's lack of growth. I think that's what people are going to take away. Oh man! Oh, by the way, Bartles. Yeah. This started. I Facebook friended you, so I will be looking for evidence that you accepted it. Wow! It I took you a long time. I didn't even know you were on did. Facebook. He well, wasn't. I was often. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was often for years. 
pretty much the day our governor gave the press conference, I said, yeah, I better get back online because I knew connectivity was going to be the issue. And now, Barta Ball, you and I are buddies, aren't we, on uh, Facebook? Yes. I'm looking yeah. for right here. I thought so. And I know I'm with Bell. All right, good. So everybody uh, enforce uh, Bartles to accept my uh, friend request. Boom, done. <laughs> good. I love it. 2020, baby. 2020. Love it. Uh, all right, guys. Well, this has been great. Greg, I think you're right. I think this will uh, this will be up there with uh, some of the classics that we've done over the years. And so, um, guys, don't forget, um, please go ahead and like us on uh, Facebook. We have a discussion group on Facebook that uh, we're going to try to, you know, get back into and, and breathe new life back into that thing. Um, also, please don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. It just helps us get higher up on the listening list. Gentlemen, this has been great. Until next time, we just rock the Casbah. These go to 11.